0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Paul Lisnick, Behind the Curtain, that opportunity I get to step away from the world of politics and law I covered on television to do stuff that is so arguably a lot more fun here in the WGN radio podcast world. And today, the show is magic. It's absolute magic in every way you might think, because joining me is the current... You know, I don't want to just call you a magician because you are far more than that. You're a magician. You are a mentalist. You are a mind reader. You are an artist. Henek Nagash joins me during his um, residence, artist in residence performance at Chicago Magic Lounge. Henek, it's just so good to see you. Your show is fabulous.
1: Thank you, Paul. Very kind of you. And thank you for bringing me on this program. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, well, now you put pressure on me.
0: Uh, so, so first of all, you you live in LA, Right? You're an artist in residence, so you're going to spend a few months here in Chicago and enjoy this city. Um, but you live in L. A. Is that home? That's right. I live
1: I live right in the thick of it in uh, Hollywood, right in Los Angeles, a couple of blocks from
0: the Chinese Theater. Oh wow! Are your feet and hands there yet? Uh, not yet. Not yet. I got a ways to go. <laughs> you're a magician. You can make it happen. Uh, and then make them disappear. Yeah. Uh, so I want people to understand, first of all, the Chicago Magic Lounge, and I have talked about it on this show before, so my, my viewers and listeners understand that it's just it's such an amazing place. Um, I imagine before you ever got here, you knew that Chicago, if I'm right, is kind of the birthplace of close-up magic and, and at-table magic. Is this a different experience for you being here than when you perform in L.A. and other places around the country or world?
1: Yeah, and uh, I tell this to a lot of uh, my my fellow magician friends of how amazing this venue is not only is the venue beautiful but the operations the audiences uh the we whole, are beautiful uh, too especially you especially you. You, were, you were the prettiest one on that show last week thank you but uh it, the things run so smoothly here and it's such an enjoyable experience uh i don't have any other pressures on me i just have to perform um here at the Chicago Magic Lounge, the staff takes care of the rest. They make it very easy for me.
0: What I love about being an artist in residence, as I understand it, is first of all every Wednesday night from now until oh, is it September twenty third? Is that the the last? I think the last one's the twenty seventh, September twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. All right, I want to get that right. Last Wednesday of September last Wednesday of September, which we think is the 20, 27, um, that's when you are the headliner, you are the show. So, uh, when people get to the magic lounge, they are just, so we remind them there's some magic outside in the lobby. I won't even talk about arriving at the facility cause you don't even know where you are at first, which is part of the fun. Uh, and you sit down and there's magic Sam and there's all these people that come to your table and for a half an hour or so we get all this fun. It all sets the stage for you to enter the stage, but I want people to know as well, if they don't get there on a Wednesday, it's not like they're not going to see Henek Nagash.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I, could. you might see me at the tables. I'll come by. So I'm, I'm really ingratiating myself into this community and being a part of the whole experience. I, I do not want to only work on Wednesdays. I want to <laughs> be here as much as I can because it's uh, such a strong community and so much fun. It, it's a lot of fun here.
0: There's also special performances that go on in what's known as the 654 Club. There's a reason it's called the 654 Club. We dealt yep. with that in one of my very first Chicago uh, Magic Lounge interviews with Joey and uh, and others. But but let me ask you, what is it? This uh, per and you do perform in the 654 Club as well? I don't know if you've done it yet,
1: but I haven't done it yet. Um so far I've only been on on the stage and not just Wednesday nights.
0: I've done the Thursday through Sunday. Um oh, okay. In space yeah okay so people have to go to the website to see whether you're going to be there be there that night yeah. here's the tough part about doing an interview with with you and I, I don't even like the word I guess do we use the word magic I feel like illusion is a is a better word magic magic is fine I don't I'm okay. not too busy about that stuff okay I guess it's because I try and I don't use the word tricks so I don't think what you do it it, it doesn't it's not tricks um it, it may be an illusion and, and so what I'd like to do is walk through each of your illusions and have you tell me how you do them um okay. because <laughs> <laughs> because it, no, here's the difficult thing, Henning, which is when you're talking about this, I don't want to give away your act. I mean, I can say you did this and then you did this and that was just amazing, but that's what you want people to see. So let's talk about your overall approach, which is you are not this distant figure who comes on stage and who who we could be watching a movie screen. You need us. You need the audience to do what you're doing. That is 100 percent correct. Uh, When I first got
1: in magic, I I noticed a lot of what you were describing um, and it it, I just didn't like it as much. I do like, hey, you're going to be a part of this show, too. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to be embarrassed. Uh, I'm not going to embarrass you, but we're going on this journey together and uh, we're going to be a community here and we're getting to the finish line
0: together. So you do become part of the show um, in the best possible way. One of the things you do that I thought was really interesting, again, without trying to give things away, but at least on opening night when I saw you, um, there's a moment that you use a couple. You are looking for a couple in the audience to assist you. I think that's not giving anything away. But what's really nice as that moment continues is that it's not just it could be for many Many magicians. Um, it's just a moment of humor. It could just be it could be funny, and we do this. And as you say, we make fun of you and all. That's not what you're doing, in fact. And you're you're assisted maybe by the underlying music that goes on, but you actually create what is more of a tender moment that has a really fabulous conclusion to it. Yeah, thank you. Um, one of the things you probably don't know about me is I
1: have uh, a background in social work. I did that for a couple of decades. So part of that skill set is. I developed the ability to empathize and also be able to listen to people's stories. Um, and I do feel it is important, uh, to let people tell their story. And by telling that story, they get to internally reflect on it. And maybe they, they get something out of it that they weren't quite expecting. So for, for that couple that does join me, it, it is more than just a trick. Um, and that was the goal when creating that piece. Uh, does, one of the.
0: I love having you in this moment because I can ask you these kinds of questions. Does it always work? Or do you sometimes get a couple, maybe with a story that you, it's more challenging and like, I don't, I, you know where you've got to go with it. Are there ever times you're like, I'm ha- I i don't know how to get there. So, uh,
1: so far the trick has been working.
0: Uh, <laughs> the, one of the best things about it is
1: I get to hear a couple's origin story. And the stories I've heard are unbelievable. <laughs> uh-huh. Some of them are very risque, right? Uh, But then you get sweet ones of a couple that met sitting next to each other on a flight. Um, and that sort of things, their life changes, right? Uh, Some are childhood friends. Uh, some, some, it's like a flat tire and someone helped. And so those things like that, uh, those stories, they might not be magic, but they're so, they're so unlikely that it kind of feels like magic. Um, you know, how did, how did I get here? And then you look back and you go, wow, a lot of, a lot of things worked in my favor that maybe you didn't think about before. Maybe you took them for granted
0: opening night. It was a couple who met in high school and then they were apart for like 10 years. And then yep. it was a great story, but again, it just be, you know, and you, you, without giving things away, but you, it, in the end of your moment, you sort of have to reflect back on what they've gone through and you have to think about what life would be like if certain things hadn't happened. It, it, that's exactly it
1: is. And um, that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about being a social worker. I hear these stories and I go, man, uh, if that didn't happen, Maybe you wouldn't be here, and it's um, just coming to terms with that. And, and not saying it's good or bad, but just being able to em- empathize and, and understand that that life and all those things that happen to us are, are pretty
0: fragile. One of the things your act does not provoke, in my view, and I think it's, it's it's a good thing, is you don't you don't seem to evoke hecklers. I mean, there are certain magicians who, based on their style, you know, there mm-hmm. are people who would rather be on stage than them. It's really annoying, but they but the heckler, the whatever. You are so soft. That's a nice thing. I mean, you're, you're just, you're so kind. You're just the relationship you develop with the audience. I'm sort of curious Do you, maybe because they're drunk, I don't know, but do you ever have somebody who's a problem to deal with? Cause you don't, you don't attract that.
1: I, I don't, I don't, you're right. I don't get that a lot, but there are some venues. Oh, give us uh, a story.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: well, to I, I work sometimes in the South and the Nashville area. And then I also work late night at the magic castle. And so, uh, I notice the audiences in Chicago are a lot more mature. Um, <laughs> in L.A., you'll get a, a young influencer. Um, oh. They've had way too many to drink. They've been drinking since 2 p.m. And they probably didn't even want to be there, but they got dragged with a group, and they want to be the center of attention. So you just got to kind of deal, uh, deal with that, and that's when my voice gets a little bit firm, but it's like, hey, don't stray from the
0: pack. Come back to us, right? You'll yeah. you limelight a little bit later well i'm glad to see and i i'm not surprised that you say look in the theater world uh i will tell you that various producers whoever i talk to in the theater world talk about chicago being one of the best theater towns uh mm-hmm. anywhere uh for a whole host of reasons but uh but not the least of which it's yes you know, new york is theater but new york is tourism um uh, we live here and 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 so you're getting people who come to the magic lounge over and over again because we love what we see and yeah. want to new experience each time um you uh what I also love is sort of the model you talk about working with younger versus maybe not so young people. And yet you do a bit again, I'm not going to give anything away. So I just say something, you take it as you wish to, but there's right. a bit that let's just call it that relates to Tinder, which would be a young person's kind of a, approach. I won't say what you do, but uh-huh. that is obvious. And you could do that in a many, many different ways. Um, but you do it in a way that I think you get a lot of people in today's day and age relate to what you're saying. Cause you happen to say, let's put this in the Tinder world.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, I was living overseas for a while. When I came back, I was gone for about three years and technology has changed. And the thought of these like online dating apps on your phone, just, I thought it was so funny. Um, And I saw these young people using it and it just cracked me up. And so I always think of like, Hey, whatever presentations I, I use, how, how does it affect me? Is it current in today's age? And then Having fun with that, and some of the background about what happens in that routine, I won't spoil. But there is that thing of like, hey, you—you got to choose one. This is the one you're gonna get, and um, there's there's a nice surprise at the end for the audience that goes on this
0: analog Tinder journey with me. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, I have to say this is sort of a side point, but we enjoy the show partly also because I have to say the food and the drink. And I don't know if you eat or drink much when you're there. It's uh-huh. really good. Those little fillet sandwiches and stuff are really good. Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately drink more than I eat,
1: uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I've I've had nibbled on some things and it's very good. Yeah, everything. It's
0: just a nice evening out here. Yeah, it really is. You also do this routine that involves what you call the friend zone again, not going to give anything away, but just such a great way. I ju- you just find people in the audience because you know, it's one thing when you say, I need a couple, I need people who, you know, those, but when you talk about the friend zone, you're just, it's, you're hitting everybody. Everybody relates.
1: Yeah. We've, uh, we've all gone through that, uh, painful experience. And uh, the joke is the friend zone sounds very nice, but it's the place you want to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Much rather be in the enemy zone than the friend zone. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of joking about what that concept is. And then how do you take something that's uh, metaphorical like that, and then make it tactile and physical so that uh, people can see what that looks
0: like. And that, that was part of the journey and the fun of it. Are there certain kinds of magic? You know, I, I don't, I'm a fan of Penn and & Teller and I, I watched. I don't think you've been on Penn & Teller at this point, have you? I have, I did, I did oh. season three. So I was on there um, back in 2016, a long time ago. I Well, I will have to go back and watch that because I've watched it from the beginning. They're coming, by the way. If you stay on until October, they will be here. Uh, and, and so they'll be, did you fool them? I have to ask you. I did not fool
1: them, but they were very complimentary to me and they were talking to me backstage and um, they just had, very, very kind things to say about me. So I was very appreciative to them and especially what they're doing. I've always liked those guys. They're taking heavy topics. They're making them interesting. So it's not just a magic show. It's a point of view. And that's what I like the most in an artist. It's, you're going to reveal something to me about yourself. And whether I like it or not, at least you're being authentic with me.
0: And I've always liked that. You also have to read the crowd in that, when you are dealing, certainly when people are in the front row, they kind of, they probably know that they're, you know, they're fair game, but you do have to read faces, right? Do you, do you not have an ability to look and just go, that is not somebody who wants to play and you don't go there. Yeah. And what I do is before
1: the show, I'm kind of just looking at the audience and I'm just saying, you know, who seems like they're comfortable to be there and is willing to have a good time and who it maybe didn't want to be there, but they're dragged on a date or with a group of friends and they're a little bit more guarded. And uh, right. So, I'm just kind of looking for those body language cues.
0: What's fun too is, and and this you wouldn't know, I don't think, because as people are leaving, they're all talking to to others who were like part of the show. Like, did you Mm -hmm. ever say, did you say, how would you have known that? You know, trying, everybody trying to figure out how you do what you do. Um, One of the things that, the reason I brought a Penn and Teller was not, not so much for the, your experience with them, but um, one of the things that, that, and again, as a huge fan of theirs, Penn always says he he's no fan of mind reading. He doesn't like those acts, and yet they have mind reading acts on the show. And you'll never see Penn say, "I hate that stuff." He will always find a way to make that person feel like they did the one version of mind reading he likes. You know, and they do it. They do it well. Um, do you too? There are certain things now I've seen a couple of things. One thing I have in mind in particular that involves a letter, which I've seen another performer do you do it in your own way and you do it in a different way but is that part of what you do do you sort of say yes this is this great illusion or or thing i'm going to do but then you have to put your own twist to it right because even you know that there's probably others who are doing something at least similar to it
1: yeah that's uh I'm, i'm glad you noticed that one of the i i pride myself on the presentation of every routine and by the presentation it's it's I'm writing it, and it's got to reflect something about me and society, and something that I think about or that has happened to me. And I think that when you personalize things, um, I think audiences can sense that a little bit of like, oh, this this guy's revealing something about himself, and he's uh, it, it's a concept that they can understand, and it's a concept that's topical in society. Um, so it's about bringing people on uh, along that road and and giving them just a a bit of authentic Hennick, so so to speak.
0: There are people who are um, mind readers and that's what they do. And there's people who are the true magicians and they do things and you, you do it all, which is so you never know what the next thing is going to be. So I'm sort of curious, is that are there certain venues of the world of magic and mind reading and illusion? Are there certain things you like doing better? Like, oh, I'll do that one because people might want to see it. It's not, not really my favorite. Like like Penn, who doesn't like mind reading. Are there certain things you like better than others? There is an argument to be made and say,
1: hey, the magician should only do magic stuff. The gambler should always do only do gambling stuff. The mind reader should only – and you shouldn't intermix them. I do not believe in that whatsoever. I believe, first and foremost, I am an entertainer, and I have to do things that entertain audiences. And if I was a good juggler and I thought it was entertaining, I would throw that in there too. But I can't. <laughs> um, but, but no, I, um, there are certain objects, uh, like I'm, I'm not as good with coins. Um, it oh, just okay. got to in me, I, I did it when I was younger, but I just kind of fell out of love with it a little bit, but there might come a thought or a story that I want to tell and I'll go, Oh, that's what I got to use the coins for. And then that will drive me, uh, to go in that
0: direction. So with me, it's very, it's very story first. That's really interesting because I, I would, if you would have asked me, I would have guessed not about you, but what I've said, the typical magician gets the trick. Let's just say we go off to the magic store and we buy a trick and then we just say, okay, I've got this trick. Now let me think of how I want to use it. You are the opposite of that. You're like, no, I have this story and I've got to find the routine that helps me tell it.
1: Yeah. I have to, I have amazing. To find the trick that goes with it, or I have to develop the trick and the methodology to make it happen. So, uh it's a very exciting process it's also very painful because you gotta try this brand new thing out and you know the first time it's always going to be awful and then after that first time you have to muster the courage to do it again and again and again and then after uh several reps it begins to mold into something um and that's that's the joyous piece that's like oh it's it's like your little baby
0: you know, if, if if you and I were the closest of friends, and we may be by the time this interview is over, I would be one of those people who, again, I have this, this the the, the letter, when I just say the letter, do you know which one, I, what I'm talking about? You you have the envelope. Yes. No, 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 not the, no, I didn't get an envelope, by the way. Oh, you didn't get one. Oh. I didn't get one. So please let them know gotta, I'm owed an envelope there. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. You could just mail me an empty one because Mark Tolman does the same. He does give an envelope out. Okay. And I, to this day, have it and won't open it. And and Mark and I live near each other. So I'll run into him. And I went, I still haven't opened it. He's like, mm. oh, okay. okay. But I'm like, I want to know what's in it. And I want to know what was in your envelope, but I probably yeah. wouldn't open it. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, right. I'm talking about a letter that you have an audience member read. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. That particular thing, I have seen it in my life before. I uh-huh. can, for the life of me, not figure out in the world how that kind of thing is done. But I'm curious, if you and I were the best of friends, or if you have a very close relation, is there anybody, your mom, your dad, is there anybody that you go, I'll tell you how I do it? Or is is it off limits for a magician and illusionist to ever tell anybody how they do something? No, well, uh, people have asked me about that, about several routines. I just say to them, I go
1: you're better off not knowing because as soon as you know that mystery is gone and then you're left with the feeling like, that's it.
0: Uh, uh. I've always thought that. I've always thought if I knew how something was done, I'd end up going, is that all it was? So that's, that, that,
1: that's. It. Yeah. So I, I just, I go, trust me, I'm going to make the decision for you. You'll be <laughs> happier. you happier not knowing. Um uh, and I do talk about sort of those things growing up of how as soon as you found out the truth to some of those things you valued as a kid and you found out, I was like, oh, man, I, you wanted it to be that cool, magical thing. And
0: when you know, then, then that feeling is gone, right? It's, yes. Yeah. It's when not- I was a little kid, as a little kid, I bought the magic rings. Okay. And I'm not going to ruin it for people who don't know what that is, but the whole idea of, look, these are connected. Look, these are not. And you're uh-huh. right. When you find out what the magic is, you're going, oh, this sucks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and so I, I, I do feel magicians have this responsibility to to keep secrets from people not not to withhold knowledge but also to to give them that feeling of uh, that wonderful feeling of mystery. It's like I'm I'm protecting this secret to entertain you and mystify
0: you. and and I hope you don't hate me too much because of it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So are your parents happy that this was the path you've chosen or did they want Hennick to be Dr. Hennick or something?
1: No, my, uh, my mom uh, has always been wonderful. And she goes, you know, you've, you've done so much to help people. If this brings you joy, just, just do it. Um, So she's always been like that. Um, So I, you know, I I, I did my best to help people, but magic, I, I, it's really enjoyable. And I, I think I am able
0: to impact some people by doing it. And um am and happy there, way. There, there's a magician in town. Maybe, you know, him or uh, Ricardo Rosencrantz and he's yeah. known as the physician magician. Yeah. And so in talking to Ricardo, he I mean, he, he is a doctor, he would ever, but he talked to me about how magic worked his way into dealing with his patients because he worked with pediatrics. So mm-hmm. it, it's an, it makes perfect sense. And I'm sort of curious, you were a social worker, did those things ever live together? Were you already a magician and you worked it in? Or did they just not belong together? Or did magic come later?
1: No, it, uh, it separated. Um, but what happened is the skill sets have complemented each other. So, you know, in social work, there's a lot of problem-solving that needs to get done, a lot of secret engineering. and magic, there's a lot of problem-solving and secret engineering. Uh, in magic, you got to be able to meet people cold and gain their trust in social work. New client walks through the door, you got to gain their trust. Um, And so those things I found that the skill
0: sets have have helped me out. Uh, Yeah, and again, it makes you such a, I think just a, such a smooth performer in all of that. Do magicians ever share with each other? Do you ever sit down with another magician, maybe at Magic Lounge or just somewhere else and go, here, I've got a trick. I'll show you this. You show me yours and you trade or are people, are you proprietary over what you do? no like uh
1: uh people do share here um i'm i'm more interested in uh not so much the trick but it's like hey can can you you have a a word or something how i can transition this to make it a little bit tighter is what i'm saying is it clear is it am i blabbering too much is the audience falling asleep uh so yeah we we definitely help each other out and Magicians have different focuses. Some are very like technical people, right? And and that's what it is. Some are very creative and can come up with these amazing effects and build them from the ground up. Some are a bit more humorous and joyful and performance based. And so there's so many different uh, types of magicians and you you find your group and you chat and everyone's kind of on a, a, a similar journey, just maybe going down a slightly
0: different path. Is that true? I'm picking up on something I heard you say at the beginning of that answer. Is that true in general? I have the, just from what the way you just said that, I have a feeling like the, the magicians who are at the Chicago Magic Lounge, there is maybe even more of a family relationship that kind of develops. It, it's because you mentioned like when, when I'm here. So is it just your life in general? I meet a magician on the street. Sure. Let's share. Or are you in an environment now which, which fosters the teaching and the feeding and the, and the comrade camaraderie? The best thing the Chicago Magic
1: Lounge has going for, it, in my opinion, is the fostering of sense of community. So these magicians known each other. This place helps create opportunities. I know there's like the Tuesday showcase night where it's said to them, hey, these shows, you're going to be developing material that's not ironed yet. So we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. There's the residence program. I was like, hey, you're from out of town. Come and. Experience the city. Maybe you'll think about joining our group. Um, so that's I last night I was at a party and the whole staff from the Chicago Magic Lounge was there, <laughs> <right> there <laughs> was for a birthday. So they all hang out together. They like each other. We eat together. So it's
0: really nice to be a part of a community. Well, wow, really, because when I'm in a place and all my TV colleagues are there, I'm like, what am I here for? I can see you all at work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So have you have you been in Chicago before? Is this your first venture in Chicago? No. So this is my fourth time here.
1: The previous three times have been uh, working here in the month of February. Oh, so, well, that answers it that. It was very cold, but I liked it. Um yeah, so uh, first time was February 2020, right before COVID, and then I came back in February 22, 23, and now I'm here for the summer, and uh, this weather is a lot better.
0: Right. So. Oh, ex- oh, yes. And by the way, you could stay until November. I mean, people joke that Chicago has like a really short winter. The truth is, it just uh, summer. It just starts late. But the truth okay. is, the weather will stay nice here through November. Okay. Um, I, but but I so I do I whenever I have somebody who's kind of like, you know, this is not your home. So I kind of like to ask because I love this city. I grew up here. I grew up in the Burbs, but I love love this city. Are there things that when you're you're here, the architectural boat ride, the Lou Pizza, what are the things that when you come back to Chicago now you say, I've just got to do this or I'm falling in love with this. And I need to bring friends and family out to visit for this.
1: So, uh, you know, part of the times in February, I would go to people's homes and I, I wouldn't walk the streets too much, walking a little bit, just little restaurants and stuff like that. But this time I've been going around a bit more. I had the opportunity a few days ago to go to uh, Manny's Cafeteria and Deli. Oh yeah, famous. Uh, yeah. Loved it. I loved how old it was. I loved the style. I loved that it. it was one of the few old buildings that has remained as everything else around it has modernized. Um, and I I like things like that, things that have stood the test of time and got a lot of deep roots and character in them. So went in there, ordered the sandwich. It, it, it was a wonderful experience.
0: That is. And that is very, I cover politics and that is the politi- election time, election day that's where everybody who's running for office goes to Manny's uh, oh. to shake hands and, and to see everybody. Uh, yeah. If you haven't and I'll get off the Chicago thing, but I just want to say if you have not yet done the architectural boat tour or the uh-huh. walking tours of the city, old Chicago and new, given what you just said, especially uh-huh. the old Chicago, you'll love it.
1: Well, I'm going to have uh, Joey, uh, who used to be a tour guide in the city. He's taken me out two Fridays and he's going to show me around. So I'll, I'm sure I'll get a lot of that.
0: All right. Ask him about the history, and I have a lot of Chicago history memorabilia, actually. In my my kind of living a home, you, you can't see it because I'm in front of a green screen. But but the reality is there's there's lots of things from the Chicago Columbian Exposition and stuff that you'd you'd love to see. So you'll yeah. have to pop by. So yeah. I'm sort of curious. Yeah, we'll make Joey bring you over here. Um, what gives you inspiration for? I mean, are you so you go to Manny's? Are you there? And do you ever get inspiration to just go? This gives me an idea for something. Or while you're there, do you talk to people and all of a sudden you start doing something trick wise?
1: No, like um, I, I, I never uh, when I'm not in the performing context, I, I very rarely bring it out um, oh. to show it. But in terms of inspiration for myself, like yeah, people tell me stories and I see things, and I don't have an iron uh, process of how I do these things, but they just kind of happen. Um, where I'll, I'll see a movie and I'll, I'll hear a story, and I'm like, man, that is a that is a great story because to me, at the end of the day. The person with the best story wins. And I love hearing a story. It is my favorite, favorite thing. Um, and if I just by experiences meeting people, if it could help me to tell a story and then I can throw the trick there to give it the icing on the cake, then I'll, I'll delve in and I, I go hard into
0: it to figure it out. Do you relate better? Do you think you don't have to pick one if it's, if it's not, but do you like having An audience of younger people? Do you like the more seasoned people? I'll put myself in that second group. Does any of that matter to you? A little bit. I've noticed um, people a bit more seasoned, I do
1: like more. And the reason is because people have gotten older, they don't go out every night. Um, Young people go out four or five nights a week. And so sometimes, especially in LA, when they're at your table, They're thinking about what they're doing tomorrow (laughs) rather than where people that have families, they go out once every six to eight weeks, especially if there's kids. And when they go out, they go, we're going to make sure we have a good time. We need to bottle this in because it doesn't happen often. And they're just a a bit more appreciative of that, of that, uh, of that event and um, being a part of a, a
0: night out. You sort of came out and you make that point. Like you're here. You don't need to be here. You could be anywhere. You, you made the decision to just be in this space and be in this place. And my mind started to going, yeah, what I, there could be a new Netflix series I want to watch. I, you know, but this is what I'm doing. Yeah. You're, there is a great level of effort in order to come to the
1: theater. Uh, especially if you have small children and I, I am cognizant of that. So I, I want to make sure that uh, I'm at top form because I don't want to be bad and waste your night. Uh, so, so I do, I do think about those things.
0: You always intrigue people with what you're, I'm not going to say what your background is because that's part of your act uh, is to talk about what that is. But uh, you sort of, you sort of indicate that people are always very curious about what your background is. It does set up for you to be able to do something, but have people always been curious? Do people sort of wonder what's your background? Uh, and part of, part of this city, I mean, that's.
1: Yeah, part of, what I was referenced earlier is like, these presentations are, are born from my life experiences. So when I was, when I was a young man of probably eight, nine, people would ask me that all the time. And I, I was too naive to really understand. So they go, where are you from? I'm like, I'm, I'm from here. I'm from San Diego. That's where I'm from. No, 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 but where are you really from? And at first I got uh, a little defensive about it and I would just uh, stop asking me that question. But then I flipped it in and like, Hey, I'm curious. Where do you think I'm from? Uh, and so I began getting all these answers and they were hysterical to me. Um, and so after so many years, I, I turned that into a magic routine.
0: Exactly. I mean, that, what, what's so great is, you know, yes, you involve the audience again, avoiding giving things away. But in the end, you work with what it is you get, even on that point. I will say when I left that night and i was talking to my partner, I knew, I, I knew where he was from and I went, "No, you didn't, but you, but it, it then becomes a part of the post-show discussion, which yeah. is, well, I was the, I got it. I knew, uh, <laughs> it sort of, so yeah. you send people home. I mean, I know that I left just so talking about so many, well, it's one of the reasons I asked to, to do this interview because I just started making a list of the things you were doing that night and I'm avoiding things on my list to not give things away. But, um, It's just so memorable. I'll just reference one more without trying to give it away. There's a, there's a moment when you have to borrow thing about, I'm going to just rings. You're going to borrow rings from people in the audience and what you do with them. And what happens is stunning. And I, I, I don't know how you work that out or whether you've been to Ikea. I don't know what's going on with how you make that work, but um, you involve people and people have to commit to you because what they th- don't know, maybe what they're about to do, but you are actually getting a commitment from them to trust you. Unlike other art forms, when you
1: go to the concert, you sit, you cheer. The musician says, Hey, Chicago, how are you feeling? Right. Um the actor on the stage, you don't chat with them. Uh, the dancer, you don't dance with them, but in magic, you are a part of that experience. And, and for that, I, uh, I need your trust. Um, give me your trust and I'll, hopefully I'll show you something amazing, but there is that thing. There is that nervous thing of like, what is this guy going to do? Because they've probably, they've probably seen some YouTube videos, um, of magic on bad. And, uh, I have to just, just trust me and let's go together. Right. And by doing that, they've trusted,
0: I've trusted them and hopefully it makes it a more, more enjoyable experience. Well, I think that that is one of the most amazing things because when you got you're you're not a familiar face to Chicago, you are now. Um, but when you first come out, I mean, I was going to see you. It was my first time and, um, Hey, let's see how this goes. Um, uh, and, and you had to start with, Hi, I'm Hennek Nagash. You know, essentially you don't know me, but get to know me. And by the uh-huh. end of the night, you just feel this want to go up and just give you a hug, give you a thank you, give you a, you know, you do have this thing where like, I feel you are a friend uh in the way you brought in. And that is a talent, my friend, that just making that happen is a talent. I didn't walk out feeling as though I just saw some performer magician who I didn't know. I walked out feeling as though I just learned a lot about something and a lot about who you are, not just your background, whatever, but it's that social work thing. That is not a surprise to me.
1: Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, I I do realize when we start, we don't know each other. And then hopefully, over the course of a theatrical evening, it, it's a little bit like a date. You don't know everything about me, but you you know a little bit about me and, and hopefully we become friends and, and something can come uh, after it. And we've swiped right just to agree to show
0: up and be there, I guess, right? So it starts there. That's a good callback, Paul. (laughs) So you got to see Hanek Nagashi is playing at the Chicago Magic Lounge at 5050 North Clark, 5050 North Clark. Um, when you get there, you may not realize you're there, but you are. Go see it. You'll understand why I just said that. And tickets are at chicagomagiclounge.com. It is one of Chicago's great treasures and, and crown jewels, I think, because um, I've just learned so much about the profession and the art since it's opened several years ago. And getting to see people like you just make it all worthwhile. As I said, I've recently done the Chicago Magic Lounge on the show and I don't typically come and visit it again this soon because there's just such a list of things I want to talk about, but you were that good and you were that impressive and that warm and I just wanted to have a chance to talk to you. So kind of you, Paul. Really appreciate and it. And people can also check you out at henneckentertainment.com, right?
1: That is that is correct. That's where they Eight, can find me. Um, same same right. name on Instagram as well if uh, you're
0: a social media crowd, right? All right. Hennick Nagash, thank you so much. Break legs every night at the Chicago Magic Lounge. Enjoy the city.
1: All right, thank you again, Paul. It's great. You. Great being here.